overcoming faith. Um, I wish I had the time to spend uh, probably about two or three days just talking about the subject of faith, and we still wouldn't exhaust it all. Um, but uh, oftentimes when we think about faith, we think about saving faith, which is the, the part where you accept Christ and you put faith in Christ for your salvation. Um, and that's one aspect of faith. That's one part of faith. But that's not all there is to faith. Um, but faith is what makes the kingdom work. Uh, faith is when the is is what happens when uh, or, or is what's employed to bring kingdom life into this present earth life that we live. And so everything that we do in the king uh, with the king and the kingdom inv involves faith. Um, so I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about overcoming faith before we start up a Christmas series in a, a couple of weeks. But um, I just want to uh, dig into this passage with you today, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, all right? So in your notes, um, if, you, uh, if you have them there, we're in Matthew chapter 17, um, and let me read to you. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizure, seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I, bought him, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus says something that seems kind of harsh. In verse 17, he says, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. In other words, they didn't want to get the answer in public. They came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want to suggest to you, um, and we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper, but in verse 17, when Jesus is talking about the perverse uh, and uh, unbelieving and perverse generation, he was actually talking about his disciples, that he wasn't talking about the, uh, about the father who had brought his son, that, that, you know, that man came with as much faith as he understood. He came to Jesus and got on his knees. We have a world that's coming to, that, that, that has a need that's, that would happily come to Jesus, but they're looking for somebody that's got faith. They're looking for somebody that can show him, show them Jesus. They're looking for somebody that, that says, hey, I've got this connection with Jesus. But in this case, the disciples didn't have what they needed, but Jesus had what he needed. And so he rebuked the, the demon and it left the, it left the boy. Now let me go into 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. Can I, can I just underscore that for a second? If we come to worship and we sing about loving God in worship, but then we live a life of disobedience, we don't have the biblical definition of love. We have our own made-up definition of love. This is the, the words telling us, if you love God, you obey his commands, right? There's a behavior shift. When we say we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the, 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 first, the first name of the Holy Spirit is holy. Set apart. 
right? So you and I, if we're, if, we're, if we're naming the name of Jesus, boy, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. Stay with me now. Frank Potter says, I wish you were here. He says, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Say that out loud, overcomes the world. And I love this last part of this verse. I say this quite a lot in my own personal prayer time. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The fact that you have faith today means that somebody somewhere shared Christ with you. Somebody somewhere shared the message of Jesus with you. They were courageous enough to open their mouths. They were courageous enough, committed enough to pray and say, God, would you work in this person's life? Would you draw this person to yourself? Somewhere along the line, you said yes to Jesus. If, if you have said, if that's, if that's the story of your journey, now, you might be here, and that hasn't happened to you yet. Can I say to you, today is your day. Today is your day. If you've lived to see today, today is your day. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor for you. Amen? And so you can respond to him. You can respond to his call. But I am, I am uh, troubled because in our culture today, we don't see a lot of examples of what I would call overcoming faith. I see people who say, you know, they'll pray the prayer and they'll come to Jesus, but then their mentality is just hang on until Jesus comes. Just hang on. So the church is in the midst of hanging on. We're a bunch of hangers on. We're just waiting until the Lord comes. We're just waiting for this world to change. We're waiting for things to shift. And so there's this kind of this fatalism that comes into the church but I'm thankful that I've met some people that are overcomers. I'm thankful to have known and to know some people that have overcoming faith. Now, I want to talk to you about this for a second. Uh, because uh, one of those went to be with the Lord on, on uh, October 31st. And he made an impact in my life. And by impacting me, he impacted us. Because 21 years ago, Randy Valamont uh, uh, had interviewed Holly and I to come to be the children's pastors in Griffin, Georgia, First Assembly in Griffin, Georgia. Tom and Becky Davis had already moved down there. They'd been down there for a number of years. The church had grown from uh, 400 when Randy started to about 600 at that point. And uh, uh, Holly was pregnant with Jeremy. We'd already interviewed with Pastor Randy twice. We were planning on saying, okay, you know, we've, we felt like at that point we'd been here about eight years. Maybe it was time to go. And and, uh, and so, but because Holly was pregnant with Jeremy, we couldn't uh, fly back down there and have that last interview. And so Pastor Randy uh, talked with us. He said, well, let's just put it on hold till the baby's born and everything. And during that span of time, that's when we found out about uh, my predecessor falling morally. We, didn't, we felt like we would be uh, leaving a, a really bad situation and, and didn't feel like that was God's will. So we stuck it out here for a little bit. And then we became senior pastors and the rest is history. But Pastor Randy, during that first year that I was 30 years old and uh, trying to figure out what to do with the church that had a lot of issues, Pastor Randy became a voice in my ear, and he talked to me on a regular basis. I call him every couple of weeks, and I just share with him what was going on. I had five mentors. Pastor Randy was one of them, and he was a very uh, important part. And uh, Randy would say to me, he would say, brother, 
just preach faith and victory, faith and victory, faith and victory every Sunday for the next year. That's all you have to do. And I was like, man, you just simplified my life. Thank you. And, uh, and God had used Pastor Randy when he went to be with the Lord uh, just on, on uh, Halloween. The church was up uh, around. Uh, I wish we had a picture of him up there. It's just a great brother. But uh, Pastor Randy, um, the church, uh, by the time he left uh, to be with the Lord, was up over 7,000. Uh, they had nine different campuses. This says seven, but they had planted a church that launched last Sunday. He died on Thursday. They launched a campus on Sunday, and uh, and and uh, then they have a, a, a Latino campus there. Then they have their audience online, and it's amazing what that church has done. They've raised twenty. He and his in his uh, span of ministry, they raised twenty eight million dollars for missions. Twenty eight million dollars. Think about that. Um, he, he was all about, he was a missions mobilizer in our movement and uh, really, really highly thought of. What a great man of God, overcoming faith. I'm just, when I, when I read about what God has done through other men and women of God, I get inspired. I never get jealous. I never feel competitive. I don't want to be them, but I, but I want to imitate their faith. See, this is Hebrews 13. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. I, I can't go get what they have, but I can imitate it because I got to come to the Lord, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. Another one that I look to that is kind of one of these heroes that I look to is Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson, uh, a, a young man, probably younger than me. Oh, that's scary. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, powerfully used of God. I think he's got about 17 books out now. Two of them are New York Times bestsellers. But he's really ministered to me over the years. He pastors National Community Church. He founded that church in D.C. And uh, the church has taken over, I think it's 250 or 280 missions trips. They've given $19 million to missions. Most of that coming from Ebenezer's Coffee House, which the church owns. It's the number one coffee shop in uh, all of the capital. And uh, so they do things with excellence. They have the Miracle Theater. Uh, they also have uh, the DC Dream Center, um, and they're just now building a, a children's uh, center that is going to be a child care all week long, and then a, a children's ministry center on Sunday mornings. And uh, at the seven different campuses, God is just using them in a powerful way, overcoming faith. Don't sit back and say, oh, what can I do? Oh, hang on till Jesus comes. No, we're here to bring the kingdom. We're here to push back the powers of darkness. We're here to minister to the people that are broken. We have what we need to do what's necessary. Last one I would mention is Heidi Baker. Some of you might know uh, about Heidi Baker. She's uh, powerfully used of God in Mozambique. I was in a conversation with a, a brother a while back, and uh, he, we were talking about revival and the different meanings of revival, and different streams have different ideas about what revival was. And, and he was of a stream that was not, uh, was not based in the Pentecostal charismatic circles, and so I understood where he was coming from, but he said something that I had to, I had to uh, stop him and say, well, you know, that's not quite right. It's kind of this way. He was talking about how that Brown revival in Toronto um, were regional revivals. They only affected that region. I said, well, that's not really the case because uh, 21 years ago uh, during the Brownsville revival, uh, the Brownsville revival is one of the reasons that I'm senior pastor of Lighthouse today because I went down and God did a work in my life for three days. I just got before the Lord at that altar and when I came back, I said, Lord, I don't want this to be a youth camp experience. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You go and you get radical for a week and then you come back and then life goes back to normal, right? 
right? And I said, I can't have that. And so Mark Smith and I began to fast. And we fasted and prayed for 40 days. And then by the time we finished the fast, then some people in the church wanted to do it. We had about 90 people do a longer fast. And right at the end of that, time um, was was when the, the sin was exposed in the house and our leader and, and the things began to change around. That revival in Brownsville affected Lighthouse. Are you with me? So Toronto, uh, uh, Heidi Baker, by her admission, said, you know, I had three churches that, that we were pastoring. My, my husband and I were pastoring in, in Africa, and she said they were all on life support. They were all just barely making it, just barely getting by. And she had an encounter with the Lord in Toronto, and she literally laid on the floor for seven days. Seven days. Every time she would, she would, uh, she would get up. They would take her to the bathroom. Then she'd come back, and God just wrecked her for seven days. I, I don't, don't, don't ask me. I don't know. I'm not God. But let me tell you what the the results are. Nearly about a thousand churches now in Mozambique. Like happened like almost overnight when she went back to Mozambique. A training center for ministry. Over 100 documented resurrections from these bush pastors who will go and sit with people. And pray. People who have died, they will go and sit and pray until they're raised from the dead. Overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. You know, stories of Jesus multiplying the bread like on a weekly basis. Jesus multiplying toys for the kids at Christmas time. Just amazing things that happen. You say, well, I've never seen that happen. Go hang out over there maybe. I don't know. Here's the difference. You, you got to understand. When you get around people with overcoming faith, all bets are off. It's not business as usual. And Jesus expects, notice his expectation in Matthew 17. He looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to say it nicer than he did. You're not where you ought to be. Now, can I tell you, if Holly tells me I'm not where I need to be with the Lord, we're going to have words. It's not, it's not going to go so well. Because it's hard to receive from another person, even your spouse, right? If a brother or sister says to me, Pastor Ken, you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I can bow up. Somebody says, you don't have enough faith, I'm going to bow up. Well, who are you talking about? Can I tell you? If Jesus says it, you better listen. If anybody else says it, you'd be like, ah. But if Jesus says it, he's just nailed you. He just told you what's going on in your life. He knows if you've got faith or not. And so when Jesus was having a conversation with the disciples, he says, guys, they said, why couldn't we cast it out? We had this problem. We had this demon. It was, it was afflicting this boy. Why couldn't we cast it out? Because you have so little faith. Now think about that. And then he begins to teach about the mustard seed. He says, you have faith, just a little. In other words, he's saying they didn't have any at all. Because all you need is a little bit. You don't need to have great faith. You just need a little bit. But they said we couldn't cast it out. Now, I, I want to I differentiate this, again, from saving faith. Here's a, here's a reality. And something that, that this is a rub. We just need to understand this. That I can't see when, when a person, I can pray a prayer with a person and, and they can sincerely receive the Lord and I don't see any change. Maybe their face changes a little bit. Maybe they shed a few tears in repentance, but I can't really see the change. What you have to watch for is the life change, don't you? 
you have to say, okay, now I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Now I'm doing this. I'm, you know, and, and so our desires and our appetites shift. But when you're de- dealing with demonic forces, when you're dealing with something uh, that is a bondage in a person's life and, and the authority of the kingdom hits that and, and deals with it just exactly like what Jesus did, there is an immediate uh, response. There is an immediate, I can see it happen. I can see, and, and I've, I've been in these situations dozens of times in my ministry in 30 years. I've watched God deliver people from demons. I've watched the Lord heal bodies. I've watched, you know, when, when we talk about that, sometimes a spirit of fear gets loose. Can I just, let me, let me just give you some logic to work with. When, when uh, how many, of, how many uh, angels fell with Satan? We don't know exactly how many, but we know a third. We know percentage. Uh, one third left heaven and came to earth. That left how many? Let's do some math. Two thirds. So there are twice as many with us than there are against us. Right? And then we know the battle is the Lord's. And then we know all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. You can't lose. All authority belongs to you. All power has been given over to you by the name of Jesus. Twice as many angels on your side. Great big God, little bitty devil, nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. I was in India, and it was 1994, and I was in India, and I was uh, at an altar, and uh, I just preached the word. Um, I was there, I guess I was probably like 27 years old, just preached the word, and I was there all by myself. Didn't know any other soul in this church. Um, uh, we, had, uh, we were part of a team, and we all got split up, and I ended up in this church, about 150 people. And uh, the pastor is, is the only person in the church that knows English, and so he's translating uh, for me afterwards, you know. And uh, so we're, he and I are talking, and this woman comes down. Now, when you're in India, um, you're, you're dealing with Hinduism, and you're dealing with a billion, a billion gods, which are a billion demons. They're just all over the place. Just, it's just a confused world over there, okay? And, uh, and so, and, and the enemy doesn't seem to, in America, he kind of goes underground, but in, but in Hinduism, he's just like, he's just like out there in the open, just, you know, like Walmart, you know? And, uh, and so it's just all out there. And, and so she comes down front and he begins, the pastor begins to tell me her story. She's been, uh, she's been in the church now for about three months. She came to the Lord. He said, I, I, I bear witness, she came to the Lord. He said, she hasn't been water baptized yet. She will be, uh, you know, in, a, a, in the coming weeks. But he said, she's, she's coming today because she has these dreams. And the enemy comes to her every night and says, stop going to that church or I'll kill you. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, man, that's, that's demonic, you know, that's, pretty, that's, that's oppression, I'm going to deal with that right now, you know. And, and, and you just, when, when you're used to ministering the word and you've been exposed to yourself, you've been exposed to the authority of Jesus, it makes you sick how he torments people, how, how the devil torments people. You look at people as, as being very much innocent in this whole process, but the enemy wants to drag them down. They're pawns in what he wants to do. Jesus loves them, but the enemy hates them. And so he, he's just full of malice, and he wants to do whatever he can do. And so I began to, uh, to minister deliverance to this woman. I began to pray for, and this is, this is, I'm standing at the altar. I would not lie about something like this anyway. That woman spoke in perfect English. 
And she said this, I'm not coming out. You can't make me. I realized in that moment I wasn't talking to the woman. You know, but the enemy wanted me to know to try to intimidate me. And, you know, at 27, all the, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I'm like, oh, yes, you are. I just got a little indignant, you know, because you got, oh, yes, you, you're leaving now. You're leaving now. And, uh, and, you know, laid hands on her. and She was completely delivered. Her face softened. I watched God do a work in her life. She just began to worship. Tears fell down her face. And the pastor, but the pastor was amazed. He was like, She's never spoken English before in her life. You know, this is one of those things where you, you have to have, God wants you to have overcoming faith. I'm going to tell you how to do that, and then we're going to see some folks get baptized. Number one, first of all, faith moves mountains, works miracles, and brings to pass all the results, all the results given in the promises of God. Why would God give you a promise if he didn't want to bring it to pass? What kind of sick humor is that? If God would give you, and I think there's something like 7,000 promises in the word of God, why would God ever give a promise if they were all only gonna be fulfilled in heaven? Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. God didn't, God was, Jesus was saying, I don't even need to use my whole hand. The finger of God. Honey, just a minute. You got some, you got some dandruff on your shoulder. Let me take care of that. That's how, this how he deals with the enemy. You struggled for 25 years. He goes, got you. Got you back. Got you covered right there. The, the kingdom of God is real. And Jesus was so uh, adept to just being in the Father's presence that he said, you know what, I don't do a lot, but I only do what I see the Father doing. He would spend time with the Father, and the Father would show him what needed to happen, and then he would go through that day, and he would just walk it out. Okay, here's a person they need healed. Here's a person that needs to be encouraged. Here's a person that needs to be delivered. He's a and he would just walk it out. And so when he encounters this boy, and he's been training up his disciples, you know, and okay, guys, this is how you deal with the demonic. You don't do it in your own strength. It's not your authority. You don't have to stand a certain way. You don't have to be in the kingdom a certain length of time. It's all the authority in the name of Jesus. It's, it's just what it is. It's the authority in the name of Jesus. Just put your trust in the fact that I have authority, and you'll be all right. But the disciples couldn't do it. But faith moves mountains. He says nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Secondly, faith is a gift of God and can only come from God himself. One of the things that we, we try to do in America is that we create formulas about faith. You know, well, if you read the scripture for exactly 35 minutes a day, and you confess five verses, and you do this and this and this, and you'll, uh, then, then God has to do what, what you want him to do. Well, can I tell you, God's not a bellboy. God's not your Santa Claus. God's not waiting in line to do whatever you want to do. But he does impart faith if you'll spend time studying the word of God and, and saying, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Let me just do the things you want me to do. Then you'll have power to do what he wants you to do. You might not have power to do what you want to do. 
but you will be empowered to do what he wants done, right? So faith is a gift of God. Number three, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God by sitting still. You can't please God by, by uh, just, you know, being a bump on a log. That's not faithful. A lot of times we say faithful. Oh, that person's faithful. They just always show up. Did they ever believe God for anything? Are they fruitful in, in their faith? Faithful means full of faith. Always trusting and believing God for more. Always ready with an encouraging word. All ready to get involved with serving. All ready to get involved in making the name of Jesus great. What do we have to do to make the name of Jesus great in Gloucester County? That's the kind of faith God's looking for. He's looking for people that look at a bad situation and don't throw up their hands and say, Oh no! Oh no, the school board! Oh, no, the board of supervisors. You think God's worried about any of that? He's looking for his people to say, what can, we, what can we do? What can we bring into this world that demonstrates the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. When we have faith, the Lord's pleased because we're living in right relationship to him and with him. Number four, and lastly this morning, only to the man or woman who walks with God will he impart and give the faith to bring things to pass. I was struggling a, a while back in my, in my own, uh, you know, I, I get a, I'll call it a holy frustration. I get a holy frustration when I don't see people get saved. I get a holy frustration when I don't see breakthroughs in answer to prayer. I get a holy frustration when, when things that I know that I've been delivered of start to feel like they're creeping back up on me. You know, that I've, I've wanted to make some huge distance, but I don't have that. And I get this holy frustration. Well, I, you know, it had been a while since I prayed for somebody to get filled with the Holy Spirit and watch that. That's a, just a joy in my heart, see something, somebody experience the fullness of God the way I've experienced the fullness of God. And so it had been a while, and I was on the phone. I, was, I happened to call Tim Enlow one day, and I said, Tim, because he travels, and he's, he sees thousands of people every year baptized in the Holy Spirit, saved, healed. And I said, Tim... Um, Break something down for me. When you have something, you know, when you start to see a lapse in some of the supernatural things, what, what do you do? Like, what am I missing? What am I? He says, oh, man, I can't even tell you. I was like, man, you are no help. <laughs> and, and he, but he explained to me, he says, my answer for you isn't necessarily God's answer for you. And see, a lot of times, see, I was going formula, wasn't I? I was, I was like, just give me the three steps, just give me the five keys, just give me the whatever, whatever, and that will work. That's formula thinking. If you want an anointing, you've got to go to the anointed one. If, if, you want, if you want to be somebody that walks in deliverance, you've got to walk with the deliverer. If you want to see breakthrough, you've got to see the one who brings about breakthrough, and you've got to walk alongside of him. You've got to be with him. There is no substitute for that. You know, I can teach you about prayer, but I can't teach you to pray. You know the best translation when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. The NIV translates it, teach me how to pray, teach us how to pray when he gave the Lord's Prayer. But that's not what they asked. They, they made this equation. They said, Jesus gets up before we do. And he goes and he goes to these lonely places. Sometimes we hear him crying out to God. Then we go follow him around all day and miracles happen. What? In the world. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us 
to pray. These are good Jewish boys. They knew how to, they knew the, the Jewish prayers. These were good guys, but they didn't have what Jesus had. They looked and they saw overcoming faith. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I want to ask you today, if, if you have, do you have all of God that you want to have? Do you have that overcoming faith rising up on you? When you encounter something that doesn't seem to want to move, do you shrink back? What's your first response? Do you pull back? Do you get on the phone and make a bunch of phone calls? Hey, help me out over here. Or do you press into God and say, God, I know, I know, I know, I know you've got this. I know you've got this fear. Show me the promise. Show me what I need to get a hold of. And you know what? You spend some time with him, and you know what? Faith begins to rise in your heart. You begin to talk more about how big your God is rather than how big your problem is. You, you begin to boast in the Lord, right? You begin to boast in the Lord. Those that are going to be baptized, you can uh, go to the back, and I'll finish up here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I want you to see. Here's a, a little illustration. So in the morning, one of the, one of the joys of my last five months is having coffee with Nora in the morning. My five-month-old granddaughter, I get to, and so I'll be. I'm I'm always up early, and so I'm awake, and so I put the coffee on, and and after a little while, I'll hear Heather stirring around with Nora, and then they'll come down, and Heather will walk out there, and she'll just hand her off, right? <laughs> Woo! It's a great thing, you know. And so I'll walk around with her, and I'll talk. We have a morning dance party every morning. We have a dance party. And, uh, and I take, because she smiles and she laughs, so we look in the mirror, and, and I tell her she's Pop-Pop's girl. Don't let Daddy tell her any different, and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so, you know, so we just have a good time, you know, and we're just talking. And then, and then I'll, at some point, it's my turn to hand her off, so I'll hand her off to Mimi, because Mimi gets up much later than me. Anyway, I'll hand her off, and one of those, oftentimes, Holly will say, mm, I smell Pop-Pop's cologne. I can tell you've been with Pop-Pop. fragrance of Jesus when you get with Jesus you know oftentimes we'll get into the presence of the Lord with a problem and we'll just tell him about our problem and he'll make us feel better but was that all he wanted to do or did he want to give us faith to say now turn around son turn around daughter this is, you're going you're gonna to speak to that mountain now. Now that I've got you situated, now that, you, now that you're not pulling your hair out, now that you know you're not going to have a breakdown, now, that you know, now I want you to deal with that problem. I want you to speak to it. Speak to it. So we got some mature believers in here. They've seen some stuff. They've walked through some stuff. They've been through some trials. They've been through some tests. But then at some point, you just got to say, God is with me. And he's with me to break through this situation. That test needs to turn into a testimony. You're overcoming faith. Come on, don't just talk to me about your problems. Talk to me. Give me some victory stories. Tell me something that God has brought you through. I know how it is. Sometimes you get to the place, you forget all about it. You, you encounter something, you say, oh, and you feel like you're in kindergarten in God again. Like, what happened? I saw this and this and this, and then all of a sudden I got this thing. But can I tell you, that's the work of the devil. He wants you to forget that God is good. He wants you to forget that God is on your side. He want, and you get around people. Some people are just no better. They, they're all this fatalism. Oh, whatever will be, will be. That's not God. Jesus has got my life. 
You can have your fatalism all you want. I know my God is good, and I know he's made promises. So I'm going to hold fast to those promises until I see him face to face. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Man, I'm going to be clutching some promises. I'm going to be still believing God. Some of us, we don't get our promise answered in 30 seconds. We just feel like, oh, just give up. Man, I got some promises I've been hanging on to for a few years. What about you? I got some things I'm waiting for God to, to, to bring to pass. I've got some things we bring to the Lord every Saturday morning in prayer about the vision for this house. And we say, God, here's the promise. This is what I'm believing God for. This is what we're this is what you put in our hearts, God. Don't put it in my heart if you don't want it to come to pass. But since it's in my heart, I'm gonna hang on by faith, by faith. Touch your neighbor, say by faith. The kingdom is by faith. We've got to be overcomers by faith. Amen. Let's stand this morning. We're going to close out this moment in prayer. And then we're going to see these folks baptized. But I just, before we go, let's just ask God to impart faith to our hearts today. Lord, forgive me for giving up too soon. Forgive me for leaning on the arm of the flesh when I should have leaned on the spirit. Forgive me, Lord, for the works of, for walking out the works of the flesh when I, when I should have been looking for the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit to operate in my life. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that goodness, that gentleness, that meekness, that self-control. Lord, all of those, the fruits of the Spirit, Lord God, rising up on the inside. Lord, I pray this morning that you would nourish our faith by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would begin to identify those things that have been a test for us, those things that have been a challenge for us, those circumstances that seem like they're just too big. And Lord, we would allow faith to rise up in our hearts and we begin to speak to the mountain. Father, I pray all over this room, Lord God, that we would have faith for our neighbors and our friends to get born again that we could see Gloucester County become a godly county, that we would see, Lord, uh, people coming to Christ in Gloucester County because we prayed and we invited and they came and they responded. Thank you for the privilege of having Chris Michelson with us this Saturday. Help us, Lord God, to, to be diligent about gathering the harvest here so that he can bring it in. Father, I just thank you right now for my brothers and sisters in this room. Now, every head bowed and every eye closed before I, I close out from here. I need to talk to people that maybe have never, ever, ever said yes to Jesus. You've never made a commitment to Christ, but you want to today. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, but I want to give you a moment. I want to give you the opportunity to have, because I had that opportunity when I was 17 years old. You've never made Jesus Lord, but you want to today. Just slip up your hand all over this place. Anyone here at all? Amen. In the back. Others this morning? Praise God in the back. God's got something for you here today. Your life can change today. Jesus makes all things new. Let's all pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you took all my sin so that I could go free. Thank you that you were raised from the dead 
to give me brand new life. I receive you today. I receive you by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. He's the Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I just pray over every person here. I pray over every person here that they would, uh, would recognize, Lord, that you are king and you are Lord over every area of their lives. And that as they go out, when they encounter something that, that is uh, defying the lordship of Jesus, that's defying the authority of the Lord God Almighty, that they would square their shoulders back, they would bow up, and they would say, not on my watch, not on my watch. I am a kingdom ambassador, and I'm here to declare the way the kingdom needs to function, and the kingdom is going to go wherever I go, and every place I set my foot, I declare it belongs to the Lord God Almighty. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to celebrate here. I think we have some kids coming in, right? The kids are going to come over and, 